Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 345. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rickshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. It is, it's Thanksgiving time once again. Yeah. You got, you got big plans, big family plans. Are you yeah. having, are you, are you hosting? Are you hosting the Thanksgiving? You're damn right I am. All right. Well, okay. Whoa. <laughs> Every year. This is, this is my, this is my time of the year. This is like my favorite day. Oh yeah? Fucking amped. Were you were you always like a big Thanksgiving person, or is is that something that? Mm, no, I think it's relatively new. It's once when I started hosting. That's when I got into it, nonstop cooking. Now, do you have like a traditional Thanksgiving spread, or do you do you mix it up, do something crazy, or a little uh, bit of traditional. both? Traditional. Traditional. Okay. Yeah, pretty much mostly traditional. Yeah. Are you are you one of these like uh, fried deep fried turkey people? No. No, I do a dry brine. Dry I dry brine it for I, a couple of days beforehand. I'm also not one of these deep fried turkey people. I don't really get that. It's too much work. Yeah. This week on the show, we'll be getting into the Thanksgiving spirit by discussing a holiday-themed movie, Blood Rage, from 1987. Of course. Blood Rage. Slasher. Slasher. Nightmare Shadow Woods. <laughs> yeah. Many titles on this one. Many titles. We'll also be talking about someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember to consider reviewing us on iTunes if you get a chance. That'd be amazing. I hope everyone in the United States has a wonderful Thanksgiving this week. And for everyone else, I hope you have a good week. Just a good regular week. Yeah, just good stuff happens. For me, it's pretty much going to be... work and all that. Yeah. For me, it's going to be pretty much a regular week, except I get... Oh, no. I get off Thursday and Friday, so. Well, you want to come eat some turkey? I can pick you up. I got a, I got a, you know, camp track right by my house. We'll be doing something. I don't know what, though. I can try to do something. Only one thing, one housekeeping item, Saved by the 90s. I mentioned it last week. It is going to be coming out this week. I'm shooting for Wednesday for the release date for that. As a reminder, we talk about four Thanksgiving-themed movies this month and two TV shows. So keep a lookout for that. Again, that's on its own feed. So you can just search for Saved by the 90s on your podcast platform. With that, I think we can dive into our retro review. Blood Rage is what we're talking about. I have a synopsis here. As kids, Todd is institutionalized for murder for a murder whilst his twin goes free. Ten years later on Thanksgiving, Todd escapes and a killing spree begins in his neighborhood. Now, uh, this is directed by John Grismer. This synopsis attempts to hide the fact mm-hmm. that Todd is not th- that Todd is not the killer. But I mean, the, mm-hmm. you, you, like you know, like they let you know right off the bat. Like this, this isn't a whodunit. We're we're not mm-hmm. looking. At, there's no twists going on here. Like they just they lay it out all for you right in the beginning it's it's his brother it's his twin brother terry who is the killer of the two uh kevin we'll start it with you what were your initial thoughts on blood rage uh blood rage is it's kind of fun it's also a bit of a mess messy it's a lot of random stuff just happening and especially the you know the just the chronology of things that people decide to do at any given moment it's kind of bizarre. And I don't know if that's because, you know, you're dealing with a movie here that's been cut how many different times and recut and, you know, has three different titles and was released how many different times. So I don't know, like, if the version that we saw is if that is that 100% like the way it was supposed to be as it was envisioned. Yeah, I think that the one, so the version we saw was the one on Shudder. I think that that one was the that i think that's like the original director's cut i don't think that that's one of the weird edits that happened okay i think that's as close because there's so many where there's like one scene taken out and then another version where like all the gore sequences were taken out Mm -hmm. and then like someone found some of those and like tried to piece it all back together but either way it's a bit of a mess there's some Interesting choices, though, being made. I was actually taken by some of the performances, especially Mark Soper, who plays the, the, the two twins. Mm-hmm. I thought he was pretty fantastic after a certain point. I mean, he was he was a little bit uh, 
back and forth <laughs> quality wise. But then there there comes a point where he just totally like his his role as uh Terry. Mm-hmm. There comes a point where he just like full on becomes Terry and he's yeah. just like, I'm killing now. I'm yeah. just doing I'm having fun. And he does it with such an alacrity to it that it just it made it so much more fun because he's just like he's super jovial about it. He's just having the time of his life, finally being who he wants to be. Yeah, I mean, it's like he's he's holding back. He's like holding all of his homicidal tendencies in for 10 years. And then all of a sudden he finds out that his brother escaped from the institution. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I can just start killing again and just blame it on blame it on old Todd. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, Todd. And, I, and I do like when he does decide to just reveal himself. It's funny, you know, this movie, it seems like it would be an easy thing to do where you get the two of them mixed up. They're identical twins. One of them's a killer, one of them's not. So it seems like Mm -hmm. that would lend itself to, like, you know, one of them pretending to be the other and, you know, that that kind of trope. But they don't really do that. There's There are, like, certain sequences where someone mistakes one for the other but they never try to be the other one it's they always pretty much just play them themselves in it which uh, and i don't know if that's a if that's a missed opportunity right yeah i'm not sure i I don't either i don't i don't think it necessarily is because we've seen that happen so many times the evil twin you know but maybe it could have lent itself to some interesting sequences but i mean as it stands this is your pretty standard slasher movie it's just uh terry's going around killing people todd's trying to stop him and the mom (laughs) yeah really todd's just todd's a blank slate he's just wandering around this this uh apartment complex he's just terrified i mean it doesn't seem like that big of a complex so i don't know why he's having such a difficult time finding people yeah i don't know i mean terry's maneuvering in and out of this thing because I love the fact, too, that Terry is taking full advantage of Todd being back. He's <laughs> making the most of it. He's going to kill as many people as well. Because he just starts killing people like, you don't even know why they're there. Like, why are they there? Who are these people? It doesn't yeah. matter. They're there to get killed by Terry. Yeah, he, he goes beyond just killing, like, his friends, too. He just he just kills anybody. Just anybody he comes across. He, they're, they're dead. And I just love that he has a machete. Yeah. It's just, it's just him and his machete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he has. Why not? A, he does have a variety of of tools that he uses, uh, a variety of murder murder implementations. But the machete is the go to certainly, and he he loves he, to. He feels he, at home with the machete. He does, and he loves to uh, quip that it, it the blood all over the machete is not cranberry sauce. He says that line no no fewer than five times in this movie. It's not cranberry sauce. It. He says it five times. And I love that. I'm pretty sure it's three of those are to himself. There's no one else around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So you have Louise Lasser as the mom. She's another character who sort of makes a transformation in this. In the beginning, she's relatively normal. And then after she discovers that Todd broke out of the institution and and then really after she discovers that the killings have started again she just loses her mind and it's kind mm-hmm. of it's kind of hilarious but there's a couple sequences involving her where they just linger like like way too long the the phone thing where she's trying to get help and she's on the phone yeah. and she's just like what is going on with this scene it's weird because that scene lasts way too long it doesn't really like i'm not sure what they were doing there also outside of just you know recognizing that she's trying to get help but also like that's where she does her most acting like that's when she really like delivers a performance Mm -hmm. like that was her showcase was that phone call so i did i don't maybe she was just trying to make the most of it because other than that it's just her like drinking wine getting super drunk passing out but then also being like somewhat sober not too long later which i found odd how she just like her her trajectory of sobriety and drunkenness is just it was back and forth just ping pong 
Yeah, she's uh, she's a little nutty in this. The uh, the so this movie was part of the Joe Bob Briggs last drive-in marathon last Thanksgiving, and in it in it he says that she's telephonically frustrated. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Uh, telephonically frustrated. It's, I never quite understood the motivations of Terry. Like why, like I never, I never really bought what he was selling me with the, with the, this kind of psychopathic killer thing, because it seems like when they were kids, so the, the movie opens with them as young kids that they're they're at the drive-in with their mom and her mom's boyfriend and they're in the back and the mom and the boyfriend start making out at the drive-in as one does and they just decide to run around and terry grabs a hatchet and kills somebody like she just decided to do it and i don't know if it was the late later on when they show the mom kissing the new boyfriend it seems like that was sort of a trigger for him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't really. So we're led to believe that he never saw his mom kissing her new boyfriend previously. Like it's just, I don't know. I also, I also have a hard time believing if, if he's like a psycho killer, I don't know if he'd be able to like suppress those urges for that long without killing. Yeah. It seems like they have a, a number of things that they want to discuss but they just have no idea how to do it or they just don't really do it at all because it does seem like that's a trigger for him because the first person that he kills is a teenager having sex with his girlfriend. And most of the people that he kills later is, you know, they're engaged in some, some part of, you know, a sexual interaction Mm -hmm. outside of like the two people that are searching for him. Yeah. That he just doesn't want, he just needs to get rid of them. But it, so it seems like that's a trigger and that's something that's an issue for him. But I don't know why. Like, we have no idea why. And I don't know if it's also between Todd and Terry where they have, I guess, you know, vying for their mother's affection. So I don't know if maybe Terry was just trying to get rid of Todd that way. But th- that never really comes across. It, it just That's why it's it, when I say that it's messy, it's messy in so many of those ways where it seems like it has... It has something to say or wants to say something, but it's just absolutely terrible at it. And then Mark Soper's just making up for it by just having a delightful time killing people. There's so much nudity. There's a lot of nudity in this movie, but the uh, I, I like the the couple, the guy that he kills at the beginning in the drive-in. They're they're the two of them now. As I said, we we know that the drive-in is like a makeout spot, you know, because it's a little bit more intimate. It's a little bit more private. You're in your car. But it's still a public place, and it, there's still light. Mm-hmm. There's still lights, and I'm sure that this has happened before in drive-in scenarios. But I doubt that it happens a lot where a couple is fully naked, <laughs> like they were fully naked in their car when he came up and and killed yeah. the, the boyfriend. It's not not even a blanket over nothing. No, and then. He, another when he kills two of his friends they're fully naked they were out in uh what playing tennis and this is this is my favorite part of this because this is very bizarre to me is the inclusion of that woman who's back from college or whatever and she ends up with that guy so they go back to their to her room to make out and they're gone for a while. You haven't, you don't, you know what they're doing, but you don't see them. The camera cuts to them for a small scene, just to show that they're completely naked in bed making out. You're like, okay, we get it. We know what they're up to. So they're, you know, the other two friends are looking for him. Like, oh my god, what happened? Did, did Todd get him? Did Todd kill him? So they come in. She's laying on the bed like she's dead. And she gets up to spook him. She has this elaborate facial makeup whatever the hell, like monster <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> effects on her face to scare. So at some point they were making out completely naked. I don't know if this is like post quota or what, but they decided to like heavy, heavy makeup on her face to make her look like a ghoul or something in order to scare people. They're two friends. And then after that, they decide to go play tennis, even though they're completely hammered. 
Or wait, no, they took a shower first. And then they went to play tennis, which is just bizarre to me. And then they leave tennis to go to the pool and have sex. Just everything that happens on that timeline with those two people, it's just insane to me. Yeah. And then they're at the pool fully naked. Public pool. Fully naked on the diving board. Yeah. And I love that Terry just walks up and he's like, hey, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also there's also a shower scene when one of them is, is in the shower and she's – there's no – door there's no curtain or anything and it's in full view of the outside (laughs) so it's like Mm -hmm. her shower just points to a full-length window that leads directly outside into the (laughs) apartment like area (laughs) Uh, why not it's uh it's so egregious the the exploitation that's happening here it's 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 hilarious actually the special effects in this, I thought, were pretty damn good for being a relatively low-budget slasher movie. There's some pretty pretty intense stuff that happens here. You got a lot of some decapitations. You got some somebody, uh, one of the women, I think it was his doctor. Was it? Yeah. Pretty sure it was Todd's doctor who gets cut in half. Uh, so there's... there's <laughs> I tried to put it back together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Todd. Uh, so there's some pretty good there's some pretty good uh, special effects makeup stuff going on here. Ed French was the guy who did the effects work, and he was actually in the movie. He was the guy who was uh, got his head cut off. The guy who was on a date. Oh, no. He's the one on on the date and gets his head cut off. Uh, I'm just remembering the guy that got his hand cut off. Mm-hmm. His hand was still moving a little bit, crushed up that can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, drinking. He also got. He also got. He he also got his mind flayed. He did. Yeah. So it, that was the 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 future stepdad. That was the mom's boyfriend slash fiance. Who uh, he was like the first one to get it. He was the first uh, other yeah, than other than the opening scene. He did not last long at all. No. Gets his hand macheted off and then gets his skull split open. Yeah, which, I mean, there is some disturbing stuff here. Because not only does he do that, not only does Terry do that, but then, like, Terry poses him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like at, he, at, at his know, desk. Like, thought, working at his desk. And then when his mom comes in, oh, my God. Yeah, his mom comes in and discovers him, but it's another scene that lingers on way too long with the mom just kind of standing there. Just staring mm-hmm. at him. There's like, I mean, it was a good scene. It was a good reveal because she comes in and there's like blood splattered all over the curtains, but she doesn't see that because they're like out of her peripheral or whatever. And we see the, all the blood and we see the corpse that's posed at the desk, but she doesn't. But it's just, it. they took way too long for that reveal. Mm-hmm. I was just like, come on. I, I knew that Terry was going to be a psycho when earlier when they were having Thanksgiving dinner and they did a toast and he had a glass of milk. Yeah. <laughs> he yep. did a mm-hmm. glass of milk toast. I'm like, all right, come on now. We know that he's a fucking nut and he's toasting with a yeah. giant glass of milk. And it's a tall glass too. Filled yep. to the brim. Filled to the he brim. Drink all of that milk in one sitting. He might have even had a glass beforehand. I'm sure he did. A fucking psychopath. It's a very 80s movie. This was shot in 1983, I believe, but it didn't come out until 87. Lots of big hair in the um, last drive-in. Yeah. Joe Bob calls it state fair hair. <laughs> it's, uh, I can, I, I, I can never figure it out. Like, I don't know the, like, I can't determine the structure of it. It's it's always been perplexing to me. Lots of hairspray. They used lots of hairspray yeah, yeah, back then. But there's so many different things going on at the same time. <laughs> and like that, the one the one woman like her makeup that was insane. Mm-hmm. Like forty, it was like forty different colors of eyeshadow blended together. Yeah, it was. She was the. The new person, right? The person who just moved in. I also love how I yeah. think th- these people were supposed to be in college, I think. And yeah, uh, 
for the, me. The, the, the one... <laughs> The the person you just mentioned, she looked so old. <laughs> she looked like she was in her mid forties. <laughs> I'm just like, N- I'm not buying this whatsoever. And I love it at the beginning. She talks about how you know she's into tennis. I'm just like, okay, yeah, that's what you do when you're not partying. I get it. But you find out like she's really fucking into tennis because like in the middle of sex, she's just like, oh, how about we go play tennis? Want to go play tennis? And then they're playing tennis. There's a scene of them playing tennis. Why? I don't know, but I love the shirt she was wearing in that scene. It was just, it was like one of those, is it a crop top? Is that what it's called? I think so. And it just says exercise on it. (laughs) (laughs) I really loved it. It was in those like great 80s font too, exercise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That like laser jazz Mm -hmm. font. That's what, that's what it looks like to me. looks like a, a jazzy laser wrote it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Apparently, this apartment complex is still there. It's in Jacksonville. Oh, man. Yeah. Apparently, the, the nature trails were North Florida, University of North Florida. Mm-hmm. That's so where you my... could go on a Blood Rage tour yeah. if you wanted to. That's actually where my wife went to college. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, University of North Florida, Jacksonville. Has she been on those nature trails? I don't know. I didn't ask. You got to ask her. I you will. have to show her. Because like, I do love that, as you said, that uh, Terry has a kind of an assortment, a grab bag of, of weapons that he has at his disposal to kill people. And I love that he just, he had them stored on the nature trail. Yeah, they're just sitting there. They're just like all gathered up. Like that's a, that was his rendezvous point for himself. <laughs> I did like that scene when he picks up the like the fork and he's just like admiring the fork and then he stabs his friend. Stabs him. That cranberry sauce. Yeah. Then then we had the cranberry sauce line four times. <laughs> and he said it earlier too. Oh boy. Yeah. This is a it's mm. a, it's a pretty fun time. I mean it's it's not good. It's not super memorable or anything but uh, as far as 80s slashers go it's it's uh it's up there it's entertaining for me it's not it's not good it is entertaining to a certain degree it's not good but i also i was kind of surprised to me that there was some some interesting things some like flashes of a good movie in there most notably like i said uh mark soper as terry when he just finally gets to be himself just the the joy that it brought him but i also um because we didn't get to speak about it yet the i did enjoy the ending i thought the ending was just it was it's crazy it was crazy i was not uh i was not expecting that because it's like partially a good ending but not good like it's kind of a happy ending but not at all really i mean so yeah let's let's just talk about the ending so if you don't want the ending of Blood Rage from 1987 spoiled. Uh, just skip forward a few, just a couple minutes. In the final showdown at the pool, you have, oh, and there's like a baby involved too, which is <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I love that scene when she's trying to hide the baby and she goes into the locker room of, because mm-hmm. first of all, when they show her walking into the locker room, she's not like running or anything like that. She's just kind of sauntering. It's like, she, it's like she's not even concerned that Terry's like, hot on her heels. So she, she strolls into this locker room and hides the baby in this like cabinet that has toilet paper in the bathroom of the, the pool. And she doesn't even close it all the way. And, and the baby's like blanket is sticking out from the bottom. So it's like, okay, you clearly are not hiding this baby at all. And then Terry comes in and she's hiding in a stall because, of course, that's where you hide when you're in a bathroom. And he doesn't find her. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> he doesn't find her. Oh, so God. anyway, you have the big finale at the end and, you know, Todd and Terry are fighting. Which, by the way, I thought they did a really good job of masking the... Except, the, the, except I agree, except when... There, I think they were pulling Todd from the water. Like, yeah, the hair was it, was, it looked like the guy had gray hair. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, the hair was like, a is little it that off difficult there. to find. Is it that difficult to find, like, a, you know, kind of slender frame, like, blonde, brownish hair? 
like I would imagine in Florida, you could you could easily find that. But no, they get some guy that's like this a tiny bit overweight with gray hair. I don't know if he was wearing a wig, and they just I don't know. But uh, I found that funny. I thought for the most part it was it was pretty good though. So, so they have their big showdown, and then it ends up being the mom that comes in and shoots him like a million times and saves the day. But here's the weird thing. So she doesn't know that she thinks that she just shot Todd. And Mm -hmm. it turns out. But but the weird thing was, I swear, when I was watching it, they yell Terry or something like that. And, And plus, just as a complete side note, going back to the very beginning, there's the scene after Terry kills the guy. He gives Todd the, uh, the the hatchet, and then he, like, smears blood all over him. And mm-hmm. by this point, everyone's already standing around. Like, everyone sees <laughs> him do it. So it's like there should never have been a question as to who the culprit was here. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. So the mom shoots Terry, and then she kills herself at the end. <laughs> Yeah, well, and there's just that whole buildup of, like, them, you know, embracing each other, and that kind of happens, this breakdown, and it's just me and you, just me and you, we're going to make it, it's okay, it's just me and you, Terry. And Todd's just like, I'm I'm Todd, because <laughs> that's, like, all he could really do at any given point. And then that, her realizing, because that's, like, super fucked up, is you still, it's still your son, but she's like, it's not the right one blows your brains out yeah which i don't like just wait like a couple of days and you'll find out that terry killed a shit ton of people yeah it's nuts and and also also the doctor meets with her at the beginning and says yeah like look i don't think todd did this we think it was terry so she and my favorite thing about that too is that todd like she saw todd there Todd is wearing the exact same clothes because he only really has one set of clothes and that's what he's wearing. So, and their hair is different. So I don't know why there you would get them confused at any point in time. Yeah, exactly. He's wearing the same outfit throughout. Yeah. So, so you think that she would definitely know that, that it was Todd. But she did. She fucking hated Todd. She couldn't stand him. Yeah. She couldn't stand Todd. And she was just, you know, sitting right there next to that swimming pool. It's faced with the realization that she has to spend the rest of her life with Todd instead of Terry. Boom. And brains out. Get out of there. Get out of that situation real quick. I'm surprised there were any bullets left in that gun, actually. Yeah, she did shoot him uh, a number of times. <laughs> it's a pistol with like 25 chambers. I mean, poor Todd. I mean, it, m- most of his life is his brother hacked up a guy's face with a hatchet, smeared it all over him. And, of course, Todd, uh, he's also got to be confused as to, you know, there was about 60 witnesses that saw Terry do this, and yet he's still in the asylum, and everyone thinks that he killed someone. That's got to be really confusing as a kid. And then you get out, you're just trying to get home. Your brother kills tons more people. And then your mom kills him. And then your mom blows her brains out once she figures out that it's not the right twin. Yeah, he's in for it. He's in for a really rough he's done, life. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I don't think he's coming back from that. He, he, already had a, he already had a deep hole to dig out of, but man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty rough pretty rough for him he's probably just gonna go back to the asylum and just be like all right just it's i'd probably, like to, I'd probably like to check in. for him there <laughs> the only people that he knew one of them was cut in half yeah i mean god not a whole lot of uh not too many thanksgiving themed horror movies out there this is one of no. one of yeah. uh very few there's the the thanks killing series which I've never seen any of. They look pretty bad. They're like it's about like a possessed turkey or something that kills people. No, no, thank you. And I think there was another '80s one called like Home Sweet Home or something like that. And I can't think of any other ones that that are horror movies at least. Yeah. Pilgrim, which was the Into the Dark one that I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago. That's pretty much it. 
not too, not too many. Uh, all right, what are you going to give Blood Rage out of ten? Mm, man, this is, this is tough. This is tough to like a five, maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go. Uh, I, I rated this on Letterboxd when I the first time I saw it a couple years ago, and I gave it a two and a half on there. So I'll stick with yeah. that and say five out of ten. And that's Blood Rage again. That's on Shutter, and you can watch it. They have both versions. They have the one without the Joe Bob stuff and the one with the Joe Bob stuff. I would recommend the one with the Joe Bob stuff because uh, he's always great to have when you're watching a horror movie. All right. Yeah. Let's go over some of what we've been watching on the watch list. I believe it is your turn to go first, Kevin. Oh uh, yeah, we got a we got a couple of uh, Thanksgiving movies here. Uh oh. So Rocky, nineteen seventy six. Rocky, Thanksgiving movie. It's got a Thanksgiving scene in there. So we watched Rocky, Sylvester Stallone. Oh boy. Okay. Boxing movie. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen Rocky. Maybe I have. I don't know. But number one, I didn't realize that Talia Shire played Adrian. Didn't know that. And I also didn't realize that her character is like absolutely nothing of a character. Like she does nothing in this movie except lose a hat and yell out Rocky in a super crowded auditorium. <laughs> but he heard her. I mean, it's just it's just pandemonium there. And she's just calling out. And she's not even really yelling it that loud. She just kind of yells it out very meekly. So, and I mean, so much of this movie is hinged on, because I mean, for the most part, there's not a whole lot of boxing in this movie. It's not really a boxing movie, except for that, you know, the ending, they build up to it, which I think they do do a great job of building up to that. But so much of this movie is based on that relationship, right, between those two. And to me, that like that just, they didn't work at all. Because A, most of the beginning of that relationship is just Sylvester Stallone and uh, what's his buddy's name, Paulie, mm-hmm. just just out, just straight out harassing her, just fucking harassing her. Because if I, I mean, Paulie takes a turkey, that's the Thanksgiving scene. He takes a turkey out of the oven, throws it in the alley. And he's like, get the fuck out of the house. Go on a date with him. So, like, you know, the beginning stages of this relationship are just awful and then like them actually getting together they don't really do that much they just kind of sit together and don't really talk that often and then the, you know there's the whole big thing at the end where she loses her hat and goes running to him and i'm just like i'm just not feeling that section of the, the movie at all but all the like the boxing stuff i thought worked pretty well all and right. it's, it's you know it's fantastic looking mm-hmm. 1970s yeah at that gritty the working class. Uh, and that's Rocky sticking with the Stallone theme. I saw the new Rambo movie this week. Rambo last blood finally caught up with this. Uh, this is not very good at all. I, I, I kind of liked the last Rambo a little bit more than this. I know that the last Rambo wasn't very well received either. I think it was just called Rambo the last one, but this one, I don't know. There's something about it. I guess I didn't find the the story to be very good at all. Not that I was going and expecting much of uh, a story. You know, the setup for the Rambo movies is always pretty thin. Like you have Rambo, he goes into a, a situation, he has a mission, and he has to carry out that mission. That's pretty much it. This one is a little bit different in that it's it's like a more personal story for him and they try to like bring in this like PTSD stuff where like you know he's he's like he's still doing he has like a ranch and he's like helping rescue people during this like big uh storm and stuff at the very beginning which I don't really know if it we needed even needed that scene, honestly. And he's, he's having these like flashbacks and stuff. He's on medication. And then it's, we're introduced to his niece. She just, she's just kind of in here. Like apparently he's been really busy since the last movie. And he's like, got this, this whole like ranch set up and he's got a niece and he's living with uh, her, her grandmother and then she decides that she wants to go meet her father. She never knew her father. 
and he he's in Mexico, and, and Rambo's like, it's, it's dangerous, don't go. You know, we we are keeping you here because it's safe here. You don't want to go down there. He's bad news. And she's like, no, nah, okay. But then she goes anyway, and she meets her father. He rejects her. Her friend, who is also down there, is like, hey, let's go, you know, forget about this. Let's go have a, some drinks. Somebody at this bar in Mexico roofies her, and she ends up being sold into sex slavery. And a large portion of the movie is Rambo trying to rescue her, and then it turns into this, like, revenge thing where Rambo goes after these people who took his his niece. And it is... Now, the last Rambo movie, which took place in <laughs> Myanmar, was really, really violent. <laughs> I mean, it was, like, really violent. More, more so than the other Rambo movies, like, by a long shot. This one puts all of those to shame puts every the the level of violence in this movie is out of control like it is so gory and over the top it is insane now that's not to say i didn't enjoy myself watching it i was just shocked at the level of uh of violence in this i mean it, it almost goes to like horror movie territory <laughs> the way that he kills people like he'll blow off somebody's head and it, but it won't be like clean. It'll like the bottom of their jaws still be there. And then he'll just shoot them again, just for the hell of it. Like, so he'll blow their head off and then he'll shoot them again in the chest and like blow a giant hole in their chest just cause he can. Uh, and then there's like, yeah, there's some, there's a lot of other really intense scenes. Now they're really, really intense, like crazy action doesn't happen until the very, very end of the movie. And it's like this maybe 15 to 20 minute action scene at the very end and other than that there's like there's one other scene that takes place in mexico where he's he's going after the guys but it's really just that one big set piece and it which takes place like on his ranch because you know he's rambo so he built this like intricate tunnel system under his ranch for some no, of reason course he did. <laughs> yeah of course he did yeah because you know he's like a prepper so he lures all these guys into this tunnel system and he has like traps set up and there's actually two gearing up montages that happen like two minutes apart from each other, which is a little egregious. But overall, I, I, I do see the problems with this movie. I think that it's problematic on like just a, a political level. I, I don't think that he should have had like the big bad enemies that he's going up against. Uh, Mexico in this in this case uh, because I think that there's already enough you know strife happening between the border wall and all that nonsense so yeah I think that this just sort of fuels the fire and I don't I don't I don't think it was a great decision to do that well and I think that's the only reason his those Rambo movies exist anymore for me I tried to separate I tried to separate myself from the the subject matter just sort of enjoy it for a big dumb action movie. And I think that's the problem is that it it's trying to be more than a big dumb action movie. Yeah. I, I think that's that's where it falters quite a quite a bit. Like the dialogue is pretty atrocious and it it almost has like you know, it's like they 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 watch the movie Taken and then they watch the John Wick movies and they're like, let's just let's do those, but just with Rambo. So if you're looking for some really intense, brutal violence, then Rambo Last Blood might might be worth a look. Uh, I, I would probably wait until it's like on Netflix or something on a on a subscription service. From what you were telling me, it sounds like really fucking disgusting. It is pretty much. Yep. No, thank you. Kind of the, the exact opposite of that is the movie called The Body Remembers When the World Broke Open. So this comes out the 27th, or it comes out at some point this week on Netflix. That's where it's going to show up. This is directed by Ellen Majaj, uh, Tail Feathers, and Kathleen Hepburn. And this is just, you know. Isn't this one of the Ava DuVernay ones? Yes, correct. So this is kind of a, a pretty simple uh, indie film. You have pretty much a two-hander. You have Violet Nelson who plays this woman that leaves a, a situation, a, a domestic abuse situation. She's on the street. 
it's raining. She doesn't have any shoes on. She's kind of crying. You know, her face is beat up a little bit, and she's just kind of kind of frozen there on the street. She doesn't know exactly what to do. Another woman comes and sees the situation that she's in and kind of helps her out and takes her back to her house. And then from there, it's just essentially the rest of the day from that point on, just these two women trying to figure out. So the woman is trying to help her, is, you know, trying to keep her from going back to the situation that she just got her out of, trying to find her a safe house, you know, trying to help her out with her clothes and stuff. And and she has her own things going on. And but Nelson, the, the woman escaping the domestic abuse is, you know, she's trying to, she's kind of making excuses that, you know, he's not like this most of the time. And a lot of, most of the time, he's a really nice guy and he doesn't really mean it. And another thing is that she's pregnant. So there's an added, like, concern there that he's going to do it to the baby. You know, and she's trying to, you know, talk her into, you should go to a safe house, you should do this. And it's just this, like, this relationship that develops between the two of them, two complete strangers over the course of a day. And I forget at what point it is. I think it might be like after when they get to the house or at some point, I think I could be wrong. But to me, it felt like it was a it was a one shot from there on out. Like the large majority of this movie is just a one shot, just the camera trailing the two of them. Yeah, I'm reading here that almost the entire film is shot in one take, although there were supposedly some hidden cuts in there. Yeah, which I couldn't be. And it's not... It's not like um, it's not like in your face. It's not like they're they're like showing off, like oh my god, look at what we're doing. This is one shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just you don't really realize it until you kind of like you're like, hey, wait a second. Like I don't know if they, I don't know if it's cut for a long time. Yeah, I love it when that happens. Where it's just if it's like a really organic thing where the they're not drawing your attention to the fact that it hasn't cut yet. Yeah, and it's weird because like the 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 way in which that you kind of come to that realization, like there's they're taking a cab to this safe house, and they make a stop along the way. She gets out to go do her thing. The other woman decides to get out while she's waiting, and like the camera gets out before her, so you can you know what I mean. You can tell that there's someone holding the camera, getting out of the cab to follow this person, but. You would think something like that might take you out of the film. I didn't think it did, and that was the only time where I would kind of realize, like, hey, wait a second, I don't, I don't think they've cut. Like, have they cut at all? I know they did in the beginning, but that's what I mean. Like, I think at, like after, you know, ten minutes maybe. I think from then on out, it's just it's a one shot. Oh, that's great. Shot in sixteen millimeter too. Yeah, it's it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, and it's just, it's simple. You know, it's just a relationship between two strangers dealing with some heavy subject matter, but there's some comedy in there. There's, you know, there's a little bit of everything going on. And you said, when when is this hitting Netflix? This week. I think it's the 27th. I think that's what I read, but that's a Wednesday. I don't know if stuff comes out on Netflix on Wednesday. It might. Maybe. It might. I think I have an email about this. I'll I'll be sure to add it to the our VOD calendar on the site. I would definitely I would uh you know heavily suggest it checking it out. To me it's one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, I'll definitely give it a look before the end of the year then. Rambo was the only first time watch that I had this week. And the only the, the uh, only other one that I'll mention here is Robocop. Uh so I got the the limited edition Arrow Blu-ray that's coming out this week. And I uh, gave that a look in preparation for a Blu-ray review. And I don't know how many times I've seen RoboCop over the years. Many, many times, many, many times. And I can say that this is probably the best version that I've seen to date quality-wise. So this is a new 4K restoration of the film it didn't look bad to begin with. So if you have any of the other Blu-rays, uh, I have another RoboCop Blu-ray that came out several years ago. That's like a triple pack that has one, two and three. And that didn't look horrible. Actually, you know what? I think I did complain about the quality of that one when I first got it. Now, now that I'm like sort of remembering. 
and I and I even think that I got rid of the Blu-ray, like I sold it or something because I couldn't stand the quality. So this is like the ultimate version of RoboCop. The box, it's like a box, it comes in this really nice box and it has this like 80 page book with it. It comes with a poster, it has stickers. There's, um, I don't know, maybe six or eight lobby cards that come with it in the case. So, it, and just, so there's three cuts of the film on, on this too. It's a two disker. And on the first disc, you have the the director's cut, and then you have all of the supplements. And then the second disc has the theatrical cut and the made for the the TV cut, which I love it when they include the TV edits of these movies. Mm-hmm. And not only that, they do a really cool thing with this one where they give you a side by side comparison of all the cuts together, so you can see the differences like all together. So you can see the different things that they that are in the director's cut compared with the the um, theatrical and the TV edit. So because with the TV edit, obviously, they removed a lot of the the violent material, but they also redubbed a bunch of this stuff, too. And so it's it's kind of interesting to go through and see how they changed things and what they changed, what they got rid of and all of that. So. That's awesome. The fact there's three versions of it. Supplements wise, this thing is a loaded. It has all of the kind of previous bonus material from other DVD and Blu-ray releases. You have four commentary tracks, I believe. There's three commentary tracks on the the director's cut. The one with Paul Verhoeven is I th- that's an older one. That's from a previous release. Uh, that was recorded in 2007. And then you have some newer ones on there too. And then you also have uh, one commentary track for the theatrical cut that was with Paul Verhoeven and um, I believe Michael Miner or maybe, or maybe, and maybe uh, Edward Newmeyer, who were the writers. If you're a fan of Robocop, I would highly recommend picking up this, this Arrow release because it is pretty impressive. Lots of, uh, there's deleted scenes, there's uh, all kinds of making of things, really good stuff in here. You like RoboCop, right? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's classic. It's a classic. Love me some RoboCop. The only other thing I have, and I don't really have much to say, is just, you know, watch the the, the Thanksgiving classic that is Prisoners. <laughs> oh, there you go. Did that. I guess that's a, a tradition now. I still like it. it. Still holds up. I need to. I still like that movie. I need to rewatch that. I haven't seen that since it was out. Okay, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot coming out in general. So I think this this uh, this segment's going to be pretty brief. We got Kni- Knives Out is getting a wide release on Wednesday the twenty seventh. There you go. Are you excited for this? I, I kind of am. I, I, I'm a sucker for a whodunit. Me too. Me too. And Ryan Johnson directing it? Yes, please. Also, yeah, that, that one is, great cast too. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. As, as soon as you, uh, you know, throw that question out there, whodunit? I, I need to know. So, uh, you know, I saw a trailer for it. Now I need to know who did it. Yeah, can't wait for that. I'll definitely be seeing that this week. Uh, we also have Queen and Slim coming out on the 27th as well i'm excited for that one as well yeah i i thought that that one would uh appeal to you this is the one with daniel kaluuya and uh jody turner smith yeah it looks good yeah looks looks pretty good looks like a, a bonnie and clyde story actually you know what no it doesn't i was gonna say bonnie and clyde story because it is about a couple who's on the run but it's not really the circumstances are quite different yeah Either way, it looks quite good. So I'll be looking into that one as well. That's it for theaters. That's all we got. <laughs> uh, I noticed when you said that, and then I realized that it's two movies. Yeah, holiday two weekend. Holiday weekend. There you go. On VOD, not much else going on here. On the 26th, we have The Dwelling, which is a horror movie. And then the 29th, we have an animated film called Away, which is a, I want to say, French 
And if I also remember correctly, I read that it is doesn't have any dialogue, but it was uh, like made by just one dude, huh. like animated by just one guy. And it took him like five years to do it. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty wild. Yeah. That's wild stuff. After a mysterious crash landing, a young boy travels across an exotic island on a motorcycle trying to escape a dark spirit and return home. And that's it for VOD Blu-ray this week. We have uh, a, f- a few more here. We have RoboCop. This is the, the Arrow release uh, that I mentioned. We got Angel Has Fallen from earlier this year. We got Where'd You Go Bernadette. This is the, the Richard Linkletter one with Kate Blanchett. Didn't really hear much about this one. I uh, mm-hmm. other other than not great things. So, we got Don't Let Go. This is a thriller. This is a Blumhouse thriller that came out earlier this year. This is another one that just kind of came and went. Not not many people talked about it. Uh, Bloodstalkers from 1976. Mary from earlier this year. This is the one with the haunted haunted boat starring Gary Oldman and Emily Mortimer, that's really bad. It's not really bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> uh, Machine Girl from 2008 is getting a Blu-ray release. This one I would recommend look looking into if you're looking for some crazy extreme Japanese horror, really over the top, gory. Gags the Clown is also coming out. I despised this movie. I saw it at a festival, I think in 2018 and boy did i not like that one mr wrong starring ellen degeneres and bill pullman from 1996 finally coming out on blu-ray been waiting mr wrong man the things they decide to put out it's bizarre it's it's the thing is it also seems very random Mm-hmm. Exactly. like there seems to be no rhyme or reason to their releases like what like what made them finally decide to release Mr. Wrong on Blu-ray. Like, was there something I just, I, I, w- I would people, like to know. People are just clamoring for it, I guess. People have been dying for Mr. Wrong. That's pretty much it for Blu-ray. What about Criterions? Uh, we have we have two. Both of them starring Betty Davis. We have Now Voyager from 1942. Bunch of new interviews and whatnot. And then All About Eve from 1950 with a, a lot of Special features on that one, all about Eve. Bunch of commentaries, documentaries, episodes from the Dick Cavett show, new interviews, another documentary, another documentary. There's like eight documentaries on this thing. Hmm. All right. Cool. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider giving us a review on your podcast platform of choice for Kevin Rakestraw. My name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week.